Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week we're talking to the founder and chief executive of a company that has achieved a global leading position in its sector. And there aren't too many Irish tech companies that you can say that about. It's Ding, which is the online mobile top-up company that it's expand that has expanded to be one of the biggest in its space worldwide, with hundreds of different mobile phone operators in over 100 countries and hundreds of thousands of different retail outlets. And Mark Roden is the company's founder and chief executive. So I asked him about the company's growing pains and what it's going to do now. So Mark, let me start off with a few basic figures and facts about Ding. Correct me if I'm wrong here. You deals with over 500 different mobile operators, 140 countries. Customers can buy credit online or at 600,000 different retail outlets. And is that right? Yep. All and- true. And Ding makes money by taking a commission of between 3 and 10% of the phone yep, credit. Is correct. that right? Um, and it's doing well. Reportedly, it has revenue of $500 million a year. Is that roughly yeah, right? Yeah, that's gross revenues. Net yeah. revenues would be around $38 million. Around 30. So by gross revenues, I mean the total value of mobile phone top-up, including what goes onto the phone. Mm. That's the total revenues. And then, if you like, our revenues are $38 million. Mm. So, listen, this business is doing very, very well and has been for uh, a while, I guess. Is, is that fair to say? I think it's doing well. And 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 I'm, I'm not trying to be, uh, if you like, uh, um, you know, faux modest or something mm. here, but I think it's relative. You know, when you look at the scale that you just mentioned in, mm. in your in your uh, introduction there of the number of operators we're connected to, you know, the bit I'd add to that is, is, is that those operators reach and are connected to 4 billion people. Mm. And so then when you then relate back to the size of what our revenues are, albeit 500 million at a gross level, I think we should be doing a bit better, to be honest. Okay, so what's holding you back? People, experience. Okay. Um, and um, by that, I mean, you know, at, at the middle to senior levels, we've got some fantastic people in the business now. Mm. Um, I've spent the last 12 months on a bit of a hiring spree, to be honest. Um, but it's it's been really enjoyable. And um, I think it's, you know, when you go out to, to, you know, when you look critically at your own organization, and say, have I got the have I got good people? Mm. And the answer is yes. But have I have I got the right set of skills for the next three to five years um, for where we're going? The answer was no. 
Okay, what do you want to do? In terms of people? Mm. Um, so we've hired, um, you know, at a senior level, new leaders in uh, partnerships. Hence, you, you know, we've opened an office in mm. London. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, part of that thinking was to allow us to to be able to attract the people who say, you know what, I really like the sound of Ding, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to move to Dublin. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been very important to get that office open. And so Rupert Shaw joined us from, a, from Docomo Digital. Mm -hmm. um, then we've got a, a great new CTO, Barbara McCarthy, who's just joined us from HubSpot. Um, and so, you know, bit by bit, we're starting to put together the pieces that are going to take us to the next stage of of this which is a journey you know? in terms of challenges are you not worried that wi-fi for example is becoming ubiquitous and that people may not need to buy top-ups for their phones to get data I, I mean to be honest i was you know really concerned about that a couple of years ago um when you you know and, and, and you speak to some prospective investors who have a 10-year horizon or and and we're speaking about, you know, when the whole world is connected by Wi-Fi. But the reality is that somebody is going to have to pay for that. And despite all the, you know, the Loon projects and, and the Facebook, you know, gliders circling the globe, we haven't really seen any tangible evidence that there is going to be ubiquitous Wi-Fi mm. across the globe. I mean, there's going to be parts of Africa that will never have Wi-Fi. There's mm. going to be parts of India that will never have Wi-Fi. And so, you know, Indonesia as well. And so piece by piece, you can see that there's still going to be a substantial amount of the world that doesn't have Wi-Fi. And even, even if it does, you, you then... You know, today you go outside with your phone, you leave here, you know, at the web summit, you drop off the Wi-Fi, you're on a mobile carrier. Mm -hmm. You can still use WhatsApp, but only if you have airtime on the phone. Mm. I mean, I think that the, you know, the biggest uh, disruption to this industry, the whole telco industry in the last 20 years has been WhatsApp. I mean, nobody could dis could disagree with that. Now, I personally think part of that is to do with the mobile operators. I remember when an MMS message cost 50 cents in Ireland to yeah. send from mm -hmm. phone to phone, operator to operator. And I remember thinking, why on earth are they doing this? They're going to kill uh, their th this nascent business model. And sure enough, very few people were willing to pay it. So sure enough, uh, companies like WhatsApp came along. Um, obviously, Skype grew and, and, and all that happened. But the Territories you mentioned there, Africa, India, Indonesia, um, it's has always struck me that Ding is a company that is, has sought the biggest opportunity in second world developing countries. Um, is there a problem, to be blunt, that, you know, the countries are getting richer and territories around the world are getting richer. Is your market opportunity going to run out in those sectors? You know, I mean, uh, Ding is now twelve, or just over twelve years, you know, actively trading, and and through that time, we you know we've avoided venture capital intentionally in the early years, and also uh, private equity more recently, about three years ago, um, which has meant that this journey continues with, if you like, without a, a set date set by an outside investor for when the business will be sold. But when I look at the um, business recently one out of every three top-ups on ding.com now is somebody in the uk or italy 
or the UAE topping up their own phone, huh. not sending it. And we weren't even looking for that business. Mm. I mean, the, the guy who runs data analytics, D- Dean Savory in our place, extraordinarily smart guy and was just unearthing all of this data. So what we're finding is that that the the demand for Ding is less about remitting value. I know the, the if you like, the original what they call a founder story, as, as it were, or, or the experience in Dubai, um, was about somebody who had a need to speak to his wife back in India. Um, but that need, or call it, you know, lots of the, the, the narrative around where Ding could go has been, well, maybe we should move towards remittances. Mm. And I've, I've always felt that, you know, if we were to do that, we, you know, we're too late for that game. To be very honest, that mm. is is a area that's well populated by the, call it the unicorn type funded companies like Revolut and Transferwise and that, and that's never been where I felt was, you know, where Ding should go to to start, you know, um, completing mega rounds. Instead. I've preferred the approach that we've, you know, I have preferred the approach of let's target the secondary markets, mm. but identify a strong position and get really big in that. I think we've still a bit of a ways to go in that. Mm. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, venture capital investment there uh, a while back. You haven't taken any big rounds. I think you did take some um, debt financing from AIB. 14 million yeah, 14 in 2016, million. 17. About a year ago, you uh, gave an interview to a colleague of mine, Fergal uh, O'Connor, in the uh, Sunday Independent. At that time, I think you were looking toward a future where Ding would take on um, external investment and quite a big round, 40, 50 million uh, or so. I think you've been, you've kind of cooled off on that idea recently, have you? Um, what, what has changed or why have you cooled off on that? So, uh, you know, a couple of things happened. Towards the end of last year, I was, uh, I, I, I brought in a, a really uh, a fantastic uh, consultant on the people side um, called Kira Smith, who I uh, retained to look critically at our organization going forward. And, you know, it kind of goes back to the earlier point, which is, you know, where, where do I see the business going forward? And, and what's, why haven't we achieved the kind of success that I feel we should have? And it is people. So we looked at the organization and, and looking out the back window, you know, and, and, and also at some of the people in the business today, really good for where we are now. But in terms of where we need to go to, we identified areas that we felt we needed to populate. So the last 12 months has been all around that. When I spoke to prospective advisors, they were saying, look, you know, if you're going to go out and do fundraising, you know, uh, and to be honest, I, I wish I hadn't done that article around, you know, talking about the uh, the or the interview around the raise because it creates a headline and then you get to to carry it around for the next 12 months or so. But I think it was more talking to my ambition rather than, you know, trying to set down a marker as this is the kind of funding that we're looking for. So the ambition is still there, but the the building blocks of the of the I can't emphasize this enough the 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 people that are needed going forward in a, in a business are not always the ones that you know get you to a certain mm. place so listening to that and then the earlier point you were making i mean is it fair to to say that you're not 100% sure 
what the big idea you would be pitching to a VC uh, type organization would be. In other words, you, you don't, you can't write down on one page or in one paragraph what Ding's next big product is going to be. No, I think that um, I'm very clear what Ding is, which is we're a top-up company. Um, I think what I was reflecting on is that the 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 origin of the business was more around sender receiver mm. and lots of the capital lots of the the private equity capital was saying you know maybe you know we could see you plugging into you know a, a transfer wise or mm. or a revolut or something like that that's a graveyard for a lot of companies there's a couple of there's one company in 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 Dublin that raised 40 or 50 million and, and uh, uh, had to sh- had to close last year there are a few others that uh, have, have had a tough time so maybe it wasn't the worst decision in the world not to take that into yeah I think it board. was more you know I, I think um, that's more representative of which finance guys you know and, and private equity guys often have a vision of where they see your business yet that mightn't always be the the, the best thing for the, the business in terms of what Ding is, Ding is a top-up company. We top up mobile phones, period. What we found recently, and and especially in the last six months, is that that story is, is and, and that um, vision is actually entering new directions. And it's come with the advent of, of uh, people who have joined the company, such as Rupert Shaw, mm-hmm. this guy I mentioned earlier. So he had some partnerships. One of the most interesting partnerships we've done recently is with Kareem, which is... Um, a, a ride-hailing app based in the Gulf, uh, started by a few guys around creating the Uber in the Gulf. And they saw that in their platform, two things. One is it's never going to get big unless you accept cash. So they made the, the drivers. You could download the app for free. You could use it. You didn't need a debit or credit card to use it. But you could pay the driver. So the driver then could take you know, 20, 30 dirhams, the fare might only be 15, and then you put the balance onto your uh, Kareem wallet. Oh, I see, now, yeah. So that meant, that's meant that the drivers have become a payment method. Mm. And, you know, anything in emerging markets has to acknowledge that it's not uh, binary. You can't just say, this. we're only going to have a mm-hmm. digital currency. We're, we're, we're not going to accept cash you can't do that you mm. have to have to accept cash as well and they came up with a really clever way our answer to that was stores so i think adrian where we are is we've created this whole network of operators and this whole network of payment methods payment in mm. um uh, locations whether it's digital on ding.com or whether it's retail and over the next six to 12 months, we'll see that evolving into a a partner story. So just to finish the Kareem example, Mm. they then said, when people are taking a a, a cab ride, why not add top-up? So now we're the exclusive provider of mobile phone top-up to everybody in 19 countries on Kareem, meaning they're topping up their own phone. It's not about sending it to somebody. Just lastly, um, ask you about the business environment in mm. Dublin and Ireland now you are part of a, a new initiative called Endeavour with you uh, 2 uh, Dennis O'Brien Lane Coughlin and Herity uh, and, uh, and Alan Foy but just in general the value of business relationship that you, so it strikes me that, that that is a network of people who 
maybe have known each other, maybe have certain things in common, have been around in a while. From your perspective, you've been doing business now in, in Ireland for you know, 15, 20 years more. Where would you place, what kind of environment is Ireland now to do business in? What, you know, where would you place things like loyalty and, and friendships in that? Um, well, I'd, I'd start with Endeavour because um, I think that's one of the most interesting um, things I've become involved in in a business capacity for the last 10 years or so. Um, outside of Ding, I don't, I'm not really looking for, you know, I do the odd angel investment, but I'm not looking for more stuff, you know, mm. uh, four kids and a busy life at home. Um, it's, you know, it, there's plenty to do in the day without looking for more distraction. So Endeavour came out of the blue, to be honest, and uh, I didn't know much about it. Uh, read up about it, looked really interesting. And still, it hadn't come to life until I went on, uh, on a panel. You know, it, it's uh, every two months they have what's called a, an admission panel where companies get the opportunity to pitch to join the Endeavour Network. Mm. I uh, was a panelist on the on the event in Istanbul there two weeks ago, and it was eye opening. It was just extraordinary. The the uh, one of the companies who was pitching to join was a company called Glovo.com, which is Spanish Barcelona based entrepreneur. He's only twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Started this company uh, where you can go to Glovo.com and get anything you want delivered within fifteen minutes. Right. It is an enormous success. And uh, I was looking at the profile and without going into too much detail, uh, but, it, but it's, it's public. He's raised over $350 million. So the scale of companies that Endeavor mm. is reaching is extraordinary. And it's, it's not just, you know, around loyalty and friendship. The, the panelists that I was sitting uh, with, because two judges or mm-hmm. two panelists is a better, nicer description, is, um, is we were meeting with this founder who was looking to join the Endeavour Network. He didn't need capital, but he could see, you could see, he started the business when he was 23. What he was looking for was that, you know, support of, um, you know, cup of coffee or conversation from somebody who was really relevant for his business. Mm. And while that's certainly not me, um, in this case, I could see that in the network, which includes Reid Hoffman, you know, uh, from LinkedIn and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of, of people, that, that this is the kind of uh, network that would benefit them. So I think that, I think Endeavour has the potential, if, if we get it right, um, to be incredibly influential in Ireland. And that was Mark Roden, the founder and chief executive of Ding. And that's all we have time for this week, folks. So thanks a million, as always, for listening. But from me, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, that's all we have time for. Bye-bye.